everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, where we have eye-opening conversations with all types of fascinating tango professionals. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to all you first-time and newer listeners, as always. Really glad you're all here, and hope you're having a good day and staying sane. If you've been a fan for a while and would like to help keep the podcast going, you can make a secure donation through PayPal or join my podcast page on Subscribestar. Links are in the description. Thanks for your support. My guest today is another talented violinist. She has recorded with the Buffalo Tango Orchestra, La Martino Orquesta Tipica, and the Ann Arbor Camerata. She has also served as a concertmaster of the University of Michigan Symphony Orchestra. In 2019, she lived in Buenos Aires on a Fulbright scholarship studying tango and other types of national music. And as of now, fall 2020, she is pursuing her master's in contemporary performance at the Manhattan School of Music. All right, and with me now is Tegan Farron. Tegan, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. It's great to be talking to you. Oh, yeah, it's great to meet you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. So just kind of jump right into things. So you uh, have had a lot of musical adventures and experiences as a violinist. Um, How did you happen upon Argentine tango and subsequently fall in love with it? Right. It's it's sort of a, a wild way that I found it, but I guess that's true for everybody that finds tango. I started in the Suzuki method of, of violin playing, which is like a mm-hmm. pretty rote classical. It's a, it's a great way to start your kids off in music if you're interested. But mm-hmm. um, from there, my academic parents decided that like the best way for me to become employable was to take viola lessons, um, you know, have as many options as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, this is all well and good. They signed me up for viola lessons at the local high school and I went there and as fate would have it, the uh, orchestra teacher was a jazz bass player and he decided that the better skill to have was not viola, but to learn how to improvise. Um, and so I took, I, I liked jazz. I liked what it allowed me to do with my violin in a different way, but I never um, fully sort of aligned myself with that particular performance art but it did open me up to start playing contemporary music. Um, and through Buffalo's just insane art scene, I found, I met this composer who was wanted to start an Argentine tango band in Buffalo. Nice. And said sort of, you know, hey, you, you play weird violin <laughs> things. Would you like to try this out? And as I think I was 12 or 13 at the time, and that sounded just amazing to me. You know, we would play Malongas every Saturday. We would go to this tiny Ukrainian restaurant in Buffalo. I don't know the name of it because it didn't have a sign on the door or anything. <laughs> you'd go in, there's a pool table and a bar, and you'd walk through the kitchen. And then all of a sudden, you'd find yourself in this amazing ballroom. And we'd get up on stage and play tango. And so like my poor mother, who thought that I was getting employability experience would drive me into like the inner city and watch (laughs) me play tango at midnight every Saturday in high school. Um, So I I, I sort of did that in high school and I put it away when I went to to University of Michigan where I did a degree in classical and some jazz studies. Um, But then as I was getting ready to graduate, I was trying to figure out what to do next. And um, I had heard about this program called Fulbright, which is an international exchange program. And Mm -hmm really last minute on a whim, I decided that the the most competitive place for me to go was was Argentina and I could go and and do some more tango and, and I uh, haven't looked back. (laughs) Wow. That's awesome. So when you were a teenager, basically performing 
in the in this in this Ukrainian uh, establishment. So were there dance dancers going? Was there dancing going on? There's dancing well? going on. Yeah, I okay. think I want to say there was like maybe there's a an app, two hours of dancing ha dance classes happening beforehand, okay. a beginner's class, an advanced class, and then whoever wanted to stay could listen or dance to the live music. It was really oh. special. Yeah. What was it like playing for dancers as opposed to a seated audience? Oh, I I love it. I feel like that's like if I only played for people that were moving to the music for the rest of my life, I'd be so happy. It just, I, I feel mm -hmm. like it gives another dimension to the performance. And like, I mean, as much as performance is for enjoyment, you know, if if what you're playing is causing people to physically want to move, I feel like that's a great accomplishment. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah, so you, you grew up in Buffalo then, you said? I okay. did, yeah, I mean, I grew up in a, in a suburb outside of Buffalo, okay. but I was lucky to spend a lot of time in the city. Okay, yeah, I used to live outside Albany. Oh my uh, gosh, fantastic. Yeah, and I went to school in Ithaca. So yeah, yeah. I, my cousin went to RIT on Buffalo. So yeah, I'm very oh, familiar it's with- a, It's a great place to grow up. You get kind yeah. of, yeah, I mean, we spent our weekends in Canada playing ice hockey, so- Awesome. You know. <laughs> yeah, you get a lot of snow up there. <laughs> oh yeah. Everywhere I go now, I'm like, this is fine. It's yeah. balmy. <laughs> <laughs> so Suzuki, yeah, I, I'm very familiar with that. I, I started off playing the piano when I was a kid. My brother was a violinist. So we all were all Suzuki kids and went to the Suzuki camps. And, uh, oh, fantastic. Yeah, there. I mean, it really teaches you discipline. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so cool. And wait, so did you start, you said you started off with the violin or the viola? I started off with violin. Yeah, okay. I, I started when I was five after mm -hmm. I begged my mom for lessons for a year. So <laughs> Wow, awesome. Awesome. And then the viola, then back to violin. That's great. Yeah. That's funny. When I was in middle school, I was in an orchestra. I played the cello. And um, so it was funny. There were these, you know, the first violins and the second violins, they had this kind of rivalry going, but it was like a really funny about rivalry. And then you made fun of each other. Then we only had four violists. And we're like, what do you people do all the time? All the time? You're, 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 what? What's alto clef? Yeah. So it's kind of funny. They get ragged on and it was, it was. A oh yeah. It's dynamic. like the blonde jokes of the music world. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so it's fun if you're a musician out there, you might have cracked some of your, yourselves. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, so the full price scholarship, you go to, to Buenos Aires, you're there for a year, right? Almost. Yeah, I was there for a full nine months. Nice. Nice. So, it was uh, incredible. yeah, what were, what were some of the, uh, I guess, turning point experiences for you there in terms of your knowledge and growth as a, as a tango musician? Right. I mean, I, I went there on the premise. Uh, that I told Fulbright was to study non-classical performance traditions um, mm -hmm. and to study how performance art can can bring a community together. And so I got down there and I was telling the people that I was working with, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm here to like look at national identity and see how everybody just like rallies around tango. And in the first week was so disheartening. I mean, everyone just told me they're like, oh yeah, tango's dying. Um, we don't really listen to it. And like really only people in the capital identify with tango. So like, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, oh. no, like what's going on? <laughs> um, so, I mean, that, that sort of went in two different directions, which is that first of all, I was, I was introduced to the Argentine folk music, which is just like, it's a genre of music I'd never heard before. Um, and I was, luckily people set me up and I got to go do, I stayed with a family in Salta, which is in the Northwest of the country, like right on the, the border with every other uh, country in South America and experienced <laughs> some of the, the folklore firsthand, which was amazing. Um, and like it allowed me to see how that influenced tango as well. But then I was also able to join uh, two tango orchestras 
were, were my main focus there. One was the Orquesta Escuela de Emilio Valcarce, mm -hmm. um, which is mentored by the bandoneon player, Victor Lavagem. And so we met twice a week and uh, it was supposed to be a two-year program. Uh, mm -hmm. Now there's a pandemic, but the we, we went yeah. through the first year and the first year was all about going through the chronology of the tango orchestra. So we started like in mm -hmm. the 1800s and, and every month we just did a new decade of tango. And so mm -hmm. I got to, to see how it evolved. And then the other group I was involved in was the um, La Martina Orquesta Tipica, uh, which is, they really build themselves as a, a 21st century tango group. And so it's sort of in the style of how the, standard orchestras functioned our the pianist was the band leader and he wrote and arranged mm. all of the things for us and, and we would perform every week at sort of like our hometown bar and um so i got to see sort of the the birth of tango and how it evolved over time and experience it in real time which was really really lovely nice nice yeah so playing down in argentina uh, what was that like for you i mean it's it's incredible because the the audiences that you play for i guess in the same way that they are in the states are self-selecting that you get these really dedicated people that are there to to listen to the music that they know and experience something new mm -hmm. um and it's it, it really did sort of open my eyes to that idea of of non-western or non-classical performance mm -hmm. um in in that the performance itself is an event of which playing the music is one facet you know, you go there and you're like, oh yeah, the concert starts at, at 10 and you show up at 10 and like nobody is there. And you're like, what's going on? Like the like bar is starting to open and people are trickling in. And then you like catch up with all your friends that are there to see you and you like eat a pizza. And then it's like 1230 and you start playing and then you wow. like hang out some more and like see if people <laughs> want more music. So it's like, it really becomes a family like reunion almost mm. every time you have a concert, which is really, I don't know, for me, it was really, really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that's, I imagine that's really different from the culture of classical music where. Oh, so, yeah. you know, I mean, like we, we, ha we start late at you know mm -hmm. our eight o'clock concert starts at 804 to allow everybody to get into their <laughs> seats and then you start playing and then the concert's done and you go home so right right yeah wow that's awesome so uh, what was it like playing for malongas there was do you remember your, do, you okay, know, do you remember the first malanga you played in, in argentina oh the first malanga the it, it kind of coincides the very first concert i played in argentina uh was there were live dancers it was part of the buenos aires celebra uh, mm. series where like every few weeks the city sets up um, an outdoor event where people will gather to celebrate various cultures and this one happened to be using a um it was a, a centered around a particular region in italy but we played a lot of tango as well mm -hmm. and so we're up on this stage um i'll have to look for a picture to send you okay. but the street was just it it was um the avenida de mayo if you're familiar with it, it's like one of the main streets mm -hmm. and it was just packed with people and then as soon as we started playing there was a clearing that opened up in front of the stage and people started dancing and i was like it was so <laughs> romanticized i was like oh my gosh this is like where i'm meant to be this is mm. amazing um and and it, but it is interesting the the way that tango musicians sort of align or don't align themselves with dancers there i was surprised at the divide honestly that i found mm. in argentina and so the okay. people that i got along with the most were the ones that that wanted to play with dancers but there is this sort of like stylization 
that tends to happen with dance forms when we when we play it a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see it with Bach too. You know, like okay, he do, he's yeah. doing serabons and jigs all over the place, and nobody dances <laughs> to those. Right. Um, so th- th- there is sort of a, a vibe of like the purity of music versus like the dancers that don't necessarily want to pay for musicians. And and I tried to find that like happy medium on that spectrum uh-huh. of like people that want to collaborate together. Um, mm-hmm. So w- when it does happen, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So you've performed with or- tango orchestras and I imagine you've also performed with, with a smaller, more intimate group of, of musicians as well. Um, do you have a preference or is there, a, I, I guess, advantages, disadvantages to, to both? I mean, yes, absolutely advantages, disadvantages to both. I mean, I'm, I'm always partial to, to a string quartet. I just think it's mm-hmm. a wonderful instrumentation that gives you a lot of things to work with in terms of color. But I mean, playing with a tango orchestra is just like, th- there's no other thing that is, is like it. It's, I mean, we say orchestra, but not in the, the symphonic way that we tend right. to think of it in the States. I mean, mm-hmm. the way that the orchestra is set up, we have about there's like 16 people on stage and every mm-hmm. single person is important and has their own role. And I mean, to to have 16 people that you get along with and can communicate with is just such a special experience <laughs> that I, I would say that playing in a, in a great orchestra is is one of the best parts of, of being a tango musician. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Now, when you were playing as a teenager in the Ukrainian restaurant, were, how many were you were you playing with there? Yeah, we had, um, we're a reduced orchestra. Um, you can't find that many Bandonian players in the States, okay. uh, specifically Buffalo, but we had, um, I, I want to say six to eight people on the stage, depending on the night. So we okay. had one Bandonian player, one bass, one piano as his traditional, mm-hmm. sometimes a cellist, and then about four violinists. Okay. Wow. That's, that's, yeah, that's a really lucky community. To have it was that very, yeah I, yeah. I look back now and I am, I just marvel every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, did that experience, did that help you at all? Uh, prepare you when you were in, when you finally did go down to, to Argentina? Absolutely. I mean, I think going down there, it was, it was nice because I could finally sort of put into context all the things that I was try like I tried to learn before or that the band leader tried to teach me that I maybe didn't fully accept Mm. into my brain at the time but I got down there and I was like oh yeah like I've heard of this before like in a previous life now let me (laughs) like actually integrate it into who I who I am awesome awesome yeah yeah so I uh you also played around with the bandoneon yourself yeah, I, I've got it. Actually, uh, it's it's in New York at the moment, but I did start right. taking lessons uh, nice. while I was in Argentina. <laughs> it was another like nice trip to the province. I got to meet these two daughters who had their like father's bandoneon oh, that I've wow. now it's it's and it's a gorgeous instrument. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, props to Argentina. Their their public education is is free, and so I was able to go and like get free bandoneon lessons every That's week. That's great. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, every everything about the whole experience was just it feels like. Pure your luck. Nice. Yeah. And what, what was it like for you when you picked up that instrument for the first time? Oh my gosh. I mean, it's, I feel like you can kind of feel the weight of the genre with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is a very hefty instrument, but you, you think about what, like why it was invented of like monks in Germany trying to bring the organ to the countryside. And, mm-hmm. and you're like, wow, yeah, this is like really bringing music to the masses and like how its identity has changed. Um, and it's also very humbling because if you're familiar with how the instrument is set up, it's just mm-hmm. 
madness. I mean, I, I feel like even learning how to play basic things on that instrument made me more intelligent. So, <laughs> but it's, it's yeah. a really magical experience to like carry it on the train too. You're like, yes, I, I play tango. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. So at the, at the moment, I mean, I know with the, with the pandemic going on, it might be kind of tricky, but uh, do you have a regular group that you, that you perform with or a group of friends that you regularly, regularly get together with? You know, I, I came back to the States about a month before the pandemic hit, uh, which oh. was enough time for me to apply to grad school where I am mm-hmm. now. Um, I've got intentions to start playing with, with people in, in the city in, in New York city. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that seems to be where the hot spot of Porteños in, in the States is. Yeah. But as of right now, most of my work has still been with the people that I knew in Argentina. I just did a recording last week for my improv professor. Uh, mm-hmm. He wrote a, another solo violin piece for me. And then the Orchestra Escuela has been doing a lot of those sort of mosaic Zoom distance recordings, you know, where you like listen to the click track and all play together. Okay. But I'm definitely looking forward to when I can start going back to Milongas and festivals and, and playing with real people in real time. Yeah. Yeah. New York is a great place. Great place for that. Yeah. I, I started Tango out in New York. I remember uh, the first time I saw a live group play, it was, it was Tito Castro uh, on oh, Mamba Neon. And yeah, it, it was a trio. And I thought, oh, what, what's this? And wow, it was, just, it was just awesome. So yeah. So New York, that's, that's great to be playing out there. Be a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, uh, there might be a lot of musicians listening to this show and considering starting a music band or playing live for their own communities, wherever they may be. What kind of advice would you would you give them? I mean, I'm I'm a huge advocate for aligning yourself with the dance community. You know, I mean, we can we can only support each other and and really benefit from one another. Um, t- having taken some dance lessons myself, you know, there's there's mm-hmm. nothing like dancing to live music for me either. Um, but then I think also just the same way that we approach any performance of sort of going from your audience or your your target audience's comfort zones and from there expanding outward you know I was listening to one of your previous episodes where somebody began uh, because they experienced a concert that had paired up Vivaldi's Four Seasons with Piazzolla's Four Seasons you know that's a a great way to start things off Um, but then also really introducing people to to the sides of tango that maybe we don't listen to as much in the states you know we we get a lot of Astor Piazzolla which is wonderful Mm -hmm. I think we deserve a lot more Troilo too (laughs) a lot more Salgan so you know I think finding finding the things that most align with what people already like to listen to and encouraging them encouraging ourselves to to broaden our listening mm-hmm. is yeah. sort of where we can take things off yeah awesome yeah and i really uh, one thing i like talking to musicians about is uh you know many of them are classically trained and they they make the transition into tango and it's it's kind of different going from you know that you know with the mentality of classical going into tango so what advice would you have for people who are um a, thinking it or going to pull the trigger and go into to playing tango, but they have a classical background. What are some things that maybe they should let go of or be mindful of, et cetera? Right. I mean, I think the, the beautiful thing about different genres of music is that the, the way that we order our priorities is, is slightly different, or at least that's been my experience in, in sort of the academic study of the violin classically is, you know, it's like, intonation and um, vibrato and like phrasing and those those things are all all sort of like the trifecta of what makes a great performance and then 
adjusting myself to be like, okay, what are, what are the other roles that my instrument plays? You know, like as a violinist, I am so used to just having the melody, but like, how am I, how am I the best supportive voice in this band right now? Um, and I think the, the top thing about tango that I love is just having that unified pulse across a group. And, you know, we say that we have that in orchestras and, and we do, but I think it, it, it's something utterly different of the, just the, the priorities that you have in rehearsal, even the way that you rehearse feels a lot more um, democratic almost. Yeah. 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 One of the things that I, I noticed, um, you know, because classical music was the only thing I ever experienced until I, you know, watched the tango groups perform and I noticed, wow, they don't have a conductor. Look what they're doing. And, uh, but like you said, there was this, there's this different dynamic kind of a bond between the members that again, that you, maybe don't quite see as much in, in, in class where it's quite different with that, that, right. that, and that I mean, team I, I, dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think that every, everything does benefit everything else. You know, I mean, like all of, I would say that playing tango and playing jazz has only made me a better classical player. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. maybe it's been time away from practicing my octaves, but you know, the, the idea of like how to be a better musician in rehearsal um, and like understanding phrasing in a new way only amplifies the way that I approach Ravel or mm -hmm. Bach. Um, I mean, I think the, the most time that we spent in rehearsal in any any tango situation whether it's an orchestra or a quartet or a trio was mm -hmm. always about the phrasing and like how to sound like you're just like one instrument up on that stage playing in unison um mm -hmm. and like sort of divorcing yourself from the the obligation of playing exactly what's on the page you know like yeah. that is the roadmap that you follow and like if you see something really interesting feel free to take that that tangent and i think that that's something, you know, we can, if you approach tango in that way of like having a guideline rather than a set of rules, it's mm -hmm. really liberating. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, because that's what a lot of musicians like yourself, they, how they said, yeah, there's there's that guideline and you can really put your own mark into it and, you know, trust that it's going to work. And there's encouragement to do that, which is which is great. Because you, you don't get that kind of latitude with classical. Yeah, it's funny. And it's like, I, I feel like, or we like don't allow ourselves that kind of latitude because it's mm -hmm. when when you're playing tango you know you're like it, it feels like it's your responsibility to make it your own versus mm -hmm. like when you're playing classical music it's sort of like well there's a tradition that's been ingrained in in the performance culture but mm -hmm. i think that you know i would love to see more crossover in both ways you know like if mm -hmm. somebody decides to to play a concerto slightly differently because that's how they think it sounds best like i'm mm -hmm. all for that <laughs> yeah nice nice so despite being very young you have a lot of experience under your belt so do you feel your personal style evolving I definitely do. And it's, it's definitely feels like I'm sort of like in the cocoon moment and I don't know mm. if it's going to be a butterfly or a moth yet, but um, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, in this day and age, there's so many great musicians out there. We all sort of mm. have to have our own individual identity and it's, it's nice to have so many options to kind of shape that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. What's your, what's your personal practice routine like? Yeah, I mean, I, I do try to give myself a certain amount of time per day, you know, like if, I mean, on, on the best days, I'll have four hours with my instrument to just mm -hmm. do some nice slow things. I, I'm all for slow work now that I've <laughs> maybe reached maturity. I wish I could tell my high school self to go back and do that. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that 
I've got like an hour that I like to do in the morning. Um, this is the ideal day of practice, an hour in the mm -hmm. morning of just like slow technique work that covers, you know, the classical things that will also open things up in tango, mm -hmm. but then covers going over like my jazz chords, um, any tango chords, you know, just like staying fresh with the different tunes that you might play a la Parisia. Mm -hmm. um, and then going through, and I usually I'll map out my day to, to cover the various repertoire that I'm working on, whether it's for just like my private lessons at school or for an upcoming concert. Um, mm -hmm. And then beyond that, trying to dedicate a certain amount of time each day to, to listen and to reach out to other musicians and see what everyone's up to, attend mm -hmm. a certain amount of concerts. All of that, I feel like, is part of the practice as well. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I'm playing a la Parisia. I think that's, that's a really interesting experience for, for a lot of musicians. Now, were you doing that as a high schooler or did you only start doing that later on? I really only started doing that in the context of tango later on. And I think that okay. was sort of why I wanted to keep doing more tango because in high school, I, I played what was put on the page and it was great. And like, mm -hmm. sometimes I was given the chords and I could like make some things up around the chords, but yeah. Um, but I didn't really know any tunes, you know, and, and okay. that's like, I, I feel like in the jazz world, that's a big thing. You know, you can like go into a, a session and like somebody will s say something and everyone can play it. Mm -hmm. um, and so going down to Argentina, I was lucky. I studied with the person that just released the real book of tango, which is like mm. an anthology that's got all of the melodies and the chords. And so like okay. you can now like give this PDF to anybody and be like, and just read it down and play all of Parisia. And so I'm going to rope all my friends at school in to play with me um but basically my time with him was every week we'd go and he'd be like okay this week we're working on the tango waltz and like for the course of an hour we'd just play all these waltzes and, and go through like okay how do you comp or like how do you do an accompaniment pattern on a waltz like how do you like what are some ways that you can decorate the melody that's like authentic and traditional and like mm. what are some ways that are authentic to you that like you can decorate the melody and and so every week we just like explore a different facet which was amazing nice nice now, now performing a la parisia uh the first few times doing that what was that like for you oh i mean it's maybe some of the most like nerve-wracking and exciting <laughs> and like rewarding things in life i i feel like i mean everybody that I approached that was like, hey, I'm from the States. I'm here to learn tango. Like, I just wanna like be authentic and like figure this out. Everyone's immediately already already so welcoming and, mm -hmm. and just like, they're like, yes, like now you're part of the family. And you're like, oh, you haven't even he heard me play a note yet. And they're like, yeah, but you belong here. Nice. But as soon as you like play all of Parish, it's almost like, I don't wanna say that you've proved yourself as a member of the family, <laughs> but like all of a sudden, like, you know, you're querida. Like, I, I don't know, the first time I played uh, the next day, the, one of the people that was at, at the concert where I played all of Polesia for the first time, like came by with a CD and he's like, I love the way that you sound. Here's the CD that I, you just need to know, like, listen to it, memorize it, and I'll see you at your next concert. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, the entire energy in the room changes when, when you're playing mm -hmm. something like that, because it just feels so organic and it feels mm -hmm. like it, it's sort of your, your borrowing energy from the audience and giving that energy right back to you. Cause like there's things that they want to hear and then you get to kind of like build their expectation and like subvert it in different ways. It, mm -hmm. it feels very conversational um, with sort of tradition in a way. Okay, nice. Now you did mention earlier, you also learned how to dance as well. What was your, what was your first tango lesson like? Oh, wow. My first tango lesson. 
I can tell you my last tango lesson. <laughs> I, um, I, I went up to my teacher and I was like, you know, it's been like nine months. Thank you so much for all your help. I'm going back to the States. And she's like, yes, I love your energy. You dance like a dead cat. Oh. And I was like, oh, okay. She's like, just like get to know your knees a little better. I was like, okay, thank you, Maestra. Um, so I'd say, I'm trying to think back to what my very first one was. I, I did do a little tango dancing in the States, like in preparation, but mm -hmm. I think definitely the first time that I went and I tried to dance at, in a class with my friend in Argentina, I, I did feel feel very stiff. I, you know, as much as I spend time with the violin, I really don't know my own body that well. And uh, it gave me a larger appreciation for that priority of rhythm in a tango mm. rehearsal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was just curious. I mean, there are only so many hours in a day. You can only dedicate to, to one thing or the other. But yeah, I was just kind of curious to see what that's like. As for some people, it yeah, it, it can help or it's or it's different. You know, it's a very yeah. I mean, body I, 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 that, that way. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, mm -hmm. I can't say that I'm any good at it, but it, it's very <laughs> informative. And I would say I would yeah. recommend it to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Are there any, so you, you, of course, Troil is, is classic. Is he, is he your favorite tango composer or do you have several? Um, I mean, I, I think it will depend on the time of the day. I think yeah. Troilo is the person that I try to introduce everybody to. I'm like, if you like Piazzolla, you're going to love uh, Troilo. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I, I would say that my go-to is probably Pergolesi. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I know something about just that heaviness is, uh, Maybe I've spent too much time in the high range. It's just the violin. I just, anything low does it for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Like I said, it depends on the time of day. You know, sometimes I got on this big D'Arienzo bender for years. And then, oh, yeah. Especially as yeah. a dancer. I imagine he's probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then it's like, yo, I kind of like, uh, you know, I, I kind of like uh, Canaro now. And then, yeah. So. Yeah. My, my, I was telling other people before my, my dog does not like Canaro. Yeah. <laughs> growls, he growls at the speaker, but he likes Frezello for some reason. So, oh, okay. You know. Well, I'll, I'll take his taste into account. <laughs> yeah, one of my other uh, interviews, like, oh, he must be a tango snob, your dog. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I use Canaro's recording of, uh, of Milongas to, to teach my students here about Milonga. So I'm a, mm. I'm a huge advocate for Canaro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. So yeah, of course, this pandemic's been driving a lot of people crazy, but it's it's also great to see how how people have been creative, especially in the tango world, how they've been managing it, especially musicians. So, um, are there any? What are some things that you've been able to accomplish uh, now, just in within the pandemic, that you might not have thought of doing if if it had never happened? Absolutely. I mean, I I was still able to play in the Buenos Aires Tango Festival this year from from afar, which was really, really nice. Mm -hmm. um, that was through one of those like distance recordings where everyone submits and we put it together after the fact. Mm -hmm. um, so being able to play tango in the States during a pandemic was very rejuvenating. Yeah. Um, but with the um, I was formerly a teaching artist at the University Music Society, which is uh, a presenter organization based here in Ann Arbor. Mm -hmm. um, and with them, I was able to put together a five-part series to introduce students to the music of tango. Um, usually, I think when, pe when you, people hear you say, I'm studying tango, they immediately go to the dance, of course. And so being able to give uh, for free to various classroom teachers, I mean, it's online, their students can go and watch these 20-minute uh, episodes and learn the basics mm. of a milonga and how to play it on on any string instrument. Um, and I think that would not have come to pass if it weren't for 
for having everyone online and inside all the time. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, it's good. It's really wonderful to see how people are adapting and yeah, a lot of great ideas I've, I've been seeing. I mean, I saw that you and Amy were together, you know, um, performing and other, other musicians performing together. And it's just really fun to, you know, as long as your internet connection holds up, it's really, it's really fun. Right, exactly. That. Yeah, I mean, get an ethernet cable. <laughs> they help out a lot <laughs> right yeah i imagine that lag sometimes when things are out of sync that can be a it can be a, a little bit yeah but i mean it's also been you know i i was sort of hoping i came back to the states at the end of december mm -hmm. and i was like okay i'm gonna like go to the stove festival i'm gonna go for like read colleges ta yeah. um, tango for musicians i'm gonna like meet all these tango players and i was like so disappointed that like i was riding all this momentum and then we're like Milonga is like literally the worst thing because you're going to catch COVID from everybody. Right. Um, but I mean, I don't think I would have been able to meet as many people um, virtually or like mm -hmm. I wouldn't have looked for all these virtual connections. And so I was able to, to meet Winnie Chung in Indiana um, and mm -hmm. talk to her a little bit. Um, I was able to talk to, to Adam over in New York. He's got his podcast going on. Yeah, um, yeah. I was able to meet you. So, so it has been a good excuse of getting mm -hmm. to know people outside, like through the conduit of tango, but then talking beyond that. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice, good. Yeah, well, Tegan, this has been a lot of fun. I feel we can talk about tango um, all day long, but I know you Oh yeah, call me things. anytime. <laughs> <laughs> so where can we find out more about you online? Yeah, I mean, I've got, um, my, my website is just my full name. Um, and then mm -hmm. right when I was leaving Argentina, I put out an album of solo violin, but examining how tango interacts with various genres. So if you want to listen to 40 minutes of solo violin tango with sure. essences of jazz and Bach, that's on uh, any streaming platform. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Great. And we can find links to that on uh, from your website? Yes, absolutely. Okay, great. So I'll make sure to have a link to that in our show notes so people will be able to look you up and learn more about you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, sometimes I do the the group episodes because I've had Annie and Max and others together. Oh, fantastic. Uh, and that was really fun. We had Sumi and Alex Krebs before. And then um, we had all, all of us talking tango and that was cool. So I, I like to rotate the guests. So yeah, we should have you as, uh, as part of that sometime. Like, we'll, so we'll keep in touch. Yeah. yeah, and you know, if um, if there's any musicians that want to be playing some tango and maybe approaching it from that classical lens, I do have all the the scores um, from the album and everything else that I was writing in Argentina available on that same website. So, awesome. you know, like trying to get the most authentic tango sound through the most classical lens. <laughs> yeah, and that's great. And I, and I was saying um, in the previous episodes, so I want to reiterate the point, like the tango musicians today, I mean, they're so generous and right now they've created you and others have created resources that we just did not have access to just only a few years ago. Um, you know, before when you wanted to be a tango musician, it was, it was much tougher, but today we, it's a really special time. And I think that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't quite want to say golden age, but there's something really special happening. I think in the world of tango music where we have access to these really wonderful resources and, and musicians and like we can email them and they can give us some great advice. So, yeah, oh, absolutely. So yeah, generous is definitely the first word I think of when I think of tango, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's great. Like you said, it's a bit, they welcome you into the family. So don't be shy about reaching out to, to folks and learning all you can. So 100%. Cool. All right. Well, Tegan, thank you again so much for your time. I know you're super busy, you got a lot of things going on despite the, uh, the pandemic. And yeah, and you're yeah, well along into your, your 
grad program. So I know you got a lot on your plate, but thank you so much for taking the time to Yeah, to thank speak you to so me. much for reaching out. I hope to uh, to make music with you one day soon. Yeah, well, <laughs> get my Suzuki book so I can review, right? Good, good. <laughs> well, I'm getting my piano shipped up here eventually in the spring, so. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's the one that I had when I was a kid. It's at my parents' place in Florida. Um, we were thinking of getting it up here earlier, but because, yeah, because of the pandemic. Um, but once the weather gets warmer and all the snow and ice melts, we'll hopefully have that have it up here so we can annoy the neighbors. Good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Cool, Tegan. All right. Take care. All right. You too. Bye for now. Bye. Okay, that was fun. It's always interesting to hear from musicians. I really admire how Tegan creates the sense of momentum in her musical journey, how she's always moving forward with it. While studying in Argentina, many of the locals told her that tango was dying and that she could only find it in a few areas for the most part. Well, instead of surrendering to discouragement, she figured out a way to track down those tango enthusiasts and came away with a very rich experience despite those early setbacks. Although we didn't go over it outright, mainly because I forgot to bring it up, I bet there were numerous other roadblocks that she must have encountered and had to overcome somehow. So when we get excited about moving our tango forward, either as dancers or musicians, let's not be quick to assume that obstacles and difficulties are a sign that we should stop. We can't just decide to move ahead when the going's easy. And despite Tegan's experience and knowledge of tango and music in general, she still says that she's growing and evolving. If you remember, she said she's still in somewhat of a cocoon phase and doesn't know if she'll emerge as a butterfly or moth. And this got me thinking about tango goals. Goals are great, but let's not forget that a lot of interesting stuff happens during the journey or process. And a lot of other great ideas and opportunities pop up during our growth phases. For instance, Tegan isn't just dead set on playing and studying tango music, and that's all. No, she's also found opportunities to teach and share her knowledge. And if you poke around online, you'll find some of her educational guides on the structure of tango music, which are really in-depth and interesting. So thank you again, Tegan, for sharing your stories, for your contributions to keeping tango music alive, and for your time. And a huge thank you to all your listeners for tuning in. It really means a lot that you've made time to listen to this show. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a quick moment to subscribe and leave a five-star rating or review. That really helps out. Thanks for your support. All right, you've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon.